It's the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast with your host, Paula Price. Taking on the issues, representing Jesus Christ, unapologetically truthful, taking on popular opinion, and now your host, Paula Price. You all are the product of what I produce. And so when we had our last um, discussion with some disgruntles, I, the Holy Spirit said, before I listened to any complaint about my leader, he said, I checked the followers. He said, because not everybody's a good follower. And poor followers will always judge leaders as being poor, abusive, oppressive, etc. Throwing their weight around, that sort of thing. This is okay to talk to you all. This is I'm leaning back now. This serious. So I need you to recognize that. So he said, "The your leaders are your replicants. The program that God gave me to give, compiled and constructed the way it is, is what produced the leadership. Like you go to Yale to be a certain kind of graduate." You go to an Ivy League school because you want to be a certain kind of graduate. You hang tough in a community college because. You go to a vocational school for the outcome and the effect. And I've said over and over again, education is about producing a human product and a product in humanity or in humans. Never forget that. So as you're teaching or counseling, you have to start asking yourself, what am I adding to the product God is building? Or what am I taking away from what God sent to me? You have to be very careful about that. And I'm there. But when you're talking about people who have not, see, I'm going to keep saying this because I'm telling you, God says, consider the source. And you have people who have, run from church to church and place to place and going to tell you about leadership. Obviously, there could not be a poorer judge. Everything will be from their introspection, their internals. Because when you have to build something from nothing or you have to take over something that someone built wrongly, because, you know, we have both of those, don't we? someone built wrongly, you have to recognize that you better know the things that others don't know. And the fact that you have to take over already tells you they don't know them. That's why you're involved. But we've been taught, remember we talked this morning about what? Your emotions usurping your intelligence. Emotions don't need logic, but intelligence does. Logic is an interesting word because, you know, it comes from the word logos, but it also means creative sequence, cascading and a whole lot of other terms that you that you realize don't really point to your heart. Leaders have got to move from the solidity to the fluidity. Followers must go from fluidity to solidity. They have to learn now to solidify their thoughts so that they make sense, so they fit in whatever world they are expressing them. Does that speak to you all? You understand. So when you start, even as a leader, 
there are times you want to get all hot and mad. I do. I have to fight it, especially when I'm under a lot of stress. You have to remember your emotions can't rule the situation. We all have to do that. And if you're passionate about what you're doing and if you're involved in a very effective environment, okay, or you're used to being muted and muffled, then your emotions will, will get a breakthrough where they think you're, where your brain can't. So your emotions are going to start acting as if they're logical. They're going to apply themselves to the illogical and tell you that the problem is you because you don't share their feelings, not their wisdom, not their thought. When we say common sense, we use the word common because it's supposed to be pervasive and prevailing. And sense means that based on something, we share the same sense of a situation. Based on something. Problem is that when you are operating on fluidity, there cannot be a commonality. Because what triggers you will not trigger someone else. That is why people, when you look at machines and you look at business and you look at all of the products that we produce and technology, you realize that fluidity doesn't really matter. They need to know how many numbers. All right. Okay. So this is how long, this is how wide, this is how deep. And it's all about a count off. That's why numbers are reliable. And many people don't know that numbers that as we do, it came from nomos, which is law. There are laws for how to assess things, how to critique them. You know, I mean, I've had people say to me, well, I mean, you're judging me. No, I'm not. I'm assessing silence. Because everything is not condemning you to death or releasing you from bondage. I'm, a, I'm a obsessing, uh, assessing what I've observed. Because Satan has overplayed that thing. So anytime you say anything that people dislike, you're judging. So I'm not, no, I'm not. I'm assessing. I'm critiquing. I'm evaluating. I'm appraising. I'm weighing. I'm discerning. I'm detecting. Do you realize all of those are synonyms of judge? A little five-letter word called judge. And when you start saying that, then people think differently. When I said it, I was like, no, I'm assessing. I said, and I'm allowed to assess, aren't I? Assess is to find the weight, worth, value, and consequences or profitability of a thing. So when you're talking about a situation and they're talking fluidity, they can't give you logic. They cannot tell you why they're upset with you or why they're offended because they only know the fluidity of their feelings, the pain of their emotions. But they can't give you a logic for it, which is why people tell you emotions are illogical. They bring out the irrational side of you. I don't know. I just feel that way. Well, no, no. If you want it to fit in the physical scheme of life, we're probably going to need you to do a little more than just feel. Because you want me to act on your feelings. How do I measure them? How do I define them? How do I classify them? Where do I go to assess your feelings or to rightly interpret them? Where do I go for that? I can't get in your heart. You know, can't get in your liver, your kidneys, your lungs. Why am I using that? Because those are all organs that contribute to the sentiments. 
which is why when you feel nervous, your stomach gets upset. You know, so I want you all to think differently. You are going to have feelings about things and feelings about people. But understand that won't be accessible. You can't measure that. You know, doctors have to come up with these fun games. Well, on a scale of one to 10, what is your pain? Same ailment, exact same situation, different scales, different measurement. Well, I mean, I'm fine. I can, I'll say it's on a maybe three. Someone else will say it's on a 10 and look just a stoic face. You're like, are you hurt? Yeah. Oh, no, it's killing me right now. It really is. Oh, and then someone else on a four. <laughs> Same disease, same ailment, but different experiences and different, but really emotional as well as physical material. Sometimes you get a physical pain and it's really bad, but it's not that pain that's hurting you. It's what that pain awakened, what that pain triggered. But you're assessing it as if it's the here and now when it's something that's always happened. It's kind of like when a kid sees a needle, they already start screaming. But I, all I'm doing is pulling it out the drawer. No, but it hurts. Wait, I haven't stuck you yet. Or you get ready to go this way and they feel something and, they, and you didn't even, they messed up. But it's the imagination of it. And the recall that they are classifying as pain and suffering. When you're in leadership, all of us, this is new for us. We've been in a little cocoon. Now somebody unleashed us in the jungle. <laughs> We're like, how do we get in the jungle? I wasn't in there. How did I get in the jungle? You know, it was just us four and no more. It was warm. We knew each other. We can kind of, you know, pick each other's swords and carry on. But we, we, we were, now it's different. People are coming in with a wide berth of experiences and stimulus. Pain stimulus. Conditioned to pain. That's why people are hot all the time and angry. They're conditioned to pain because of the stimulus of our cultural teachings and our cultural experiences and also imposition in our lives. So you can't, everybody's raw because we've been skinned. Because you're only raw when you've been skinned. Your protective covering is gone. There's a reason why your heart's not in your head. And there's a reason why your brain is not in your chest. The brain is to send forth energy signals. The heart is to see to it that every part of what the brain sends forth goes to the appropriate places in the body. So there's a reason why God did it like that. As a matter of fact, you know, you, we, we've said it before, you can be brain dead and a heart pump on without help. No, you know, no machine. It's just pumping on. But you can't say the same can't be said about your heart. And the develop of the embryo, the heart develops first. Why? Because it's got to send life to every other part of the being. And they talk about when, a, when a, an infant is small. 
is forming, that embryo is forming, and as they move from that to fetus, that the heart beats all irrationally, erratically, all over the place, you know, because the nervous system is, is, is there and it's coming online, but nothing balances and regulates the heartbeat like your brain. And it's amazing how it's at that point of that fullness of development from the, from the articles and pieces that I have read that that heart that can beat 700 beats a minute, I'm just, you know, speculating, but now goes down to 70. Boom, 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 boom. Why? A logic has come in. And that logic is now taking over, regulating how that blood is pumped to every other part of that body. Now, if we take that same example and look at it from the inside out, from the soul side to the physical side, then you know that if, the, if we don't get our minds transformed, then our heart is going to run our brains, which is what's happening. The heart, your emotions, your sentiments, your experiences, your feelings are running your brain. You realize that you're not tempted by what's in your brain. Your brain executes your temptations. You're tempted by what's in your heart. Because it's the heart that, that wants to do all of these things. So if you, it, it has to be very important in the scheme of things for God to say, I will give you a new heart. See, I'm giving you a new spirit. I'm giving you a new heart. And then I'm putting my Holy Spirit in you to make sure it all works right. Because if I don't, Satan's going to jump in. Or he's never have left if he didn't get the new spirit. And or he's going to manipulate you back to the old. He's going to destroy the new heart and destroy your new spirit. So God gives you a new heart and a new spirit and his spirit within you. But he doesn't say he's giving you a new brain. He doesn't even say he's giving you a new mind. He said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renew, anew, and new are not the same. They sound like it. We treat them as synonyms. To renew something is to go back and refurbish it retrofit it for a newer purpose that's renew anew uh, is bringing out something that is brandy new but not necessarily different from what it's replacing and then we have as we call new birth new birth is not anew you're not birth anew because a new implies that, that we have the same type, just a newer version of the same thing. God doesn't leave us with the same material and faculties to repeat history. So when he says new creature, you know, we downgraded it to new creation. But God actually said new creature. And look up the word for it and you'll be stunned so God is saying a being that never existed before is being deposited in you now it's bringing with it a new heart and a new spirit or it's going to emanate 
a new spirit. And by the way, it's protected by the Holy Ghost. Now you might think, do I need to know that or whatever? I mean, after all, this is leadership training. If you can't lead people's souls and lead them to, first of all, respect and appreciate why they have a right to, in, to look forward to eternal life. Because you realize when you're unsaved, you're not looking forward to eternal life. You're just looking forward to eternal and hoping that it all turns out well. It's kind of an eternal roulette. So when you are in leadership, you can, we who are in leadership in Christ and we are shepherding the new creation and shepherding the old creation into the new, we have a different way of looking at things. You know, when something come in and you kind of like it, because you know, everything is anointed. Everything has a spirit anointing it. So you come in, something new enters your life, a show maybe you just this really love. And then all of a sudden you have this weird appetite for it and it's just loving. And all of a sudden God put up with it as long as he want. And then he says, stop that, turn that off. Is it just me or does he say, turn that off? Okay, and then, and if you don't turn it off, you begin to feel what he's felt about it all along. You are ushy and icky inside. Baby, I didn't need 15 weeks of counseling for that. I just need a, I just need a spirit of obedience. He lets you get past three of them, maybe six, and all of a sudden he starts cutting up. They don't know that. Because they're not dealing with the new creation spirit. And the Holy Spirit that's in that new creation and wants to see to it that you don't contaminate it. What's it? Likewise, you go over to somebody's house, they make this dish, it's delightful. I mean, you love this dish, it's so good. Can I have the recipe? Can I take a little bit home? Blah, blah, blah. And you eat it two, three times. Next thing you know, God said, don't fall in love with that. He said, God said, don't heed that craving. Don't, don't heed that craving. And you know you want to heed the craving. And you want to almost sound like a two-year-old, but God is, oh, he found your inner child. <laughs> he found your inner child and your inner child wants to break out and be in control. All right. Or you go and you want to talk to, you, you're hurt, you're a minister, you're a leader, and somebody has just, you know, cut you, but you also know that the person cut you, but your, your eyes are open and you're seeing this demon behind them. How are you going to tell that to a psychologist? You shut down that demon and all of a sudden they got less power to hurt you. So how do you have those kinds of conversations? Because as far as they're concerned, your dreams are all tracing back to something that they understand. But your, my Bible said, lean not to your understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Am I against it? I am not. Do not go out because, you know, y'all be confused. Don't go out and say that. I'm saying that if we are who we are, we can still occupy our high seat. And be treated by the Almighty because we're now his immortals and we can still have that other compassion for those who are not there. He said having compassion for those who are sinning and going out of the way. 
We can have that compassion, but if we sinning with them going out of the way, it doesn't make a difference how immortal we are. Matter of fact, it's more dangerous. So when you are in leadership, we are always, I know you wanted to know where I was going. We are always convicted of being strong because leaders have to be strong. How are you going to get somebody to follow you? I need a mushy leader. Thank you for listening to this segment of the Taking It On with Paula Price podcast. Be sure and tune in next time for the continuation of this insightful teaching. To obtain resources and training materials for how to think differently and live powerfully, visit Dr. Price's website at drpaulaaprice.com. Also, follow Dr. Price on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Dr. Paula Price. See you next time.